Right on, right on, right on. Live right. Live right. In the real world. Right on radio. Right on radio. Welcome to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff, and I've got an interesting one for you today. I really hope you hear my words at the very beginning of this. I'm being announcing some things uh, and giving you a background, a little bit of a confession, and then uh, we're going to get to the meat of the show. But I want to tell you how it came about. But first, Friday morning, that is Friday the 13th, I am going to be sharing with you some pretty hot stuff. Uh, If you are not subscribed to Podbean and you missed the live shows, um, I think that's where I really put out a lot of the best stuff. And I've got some stuff right now that I just can't make up. And I will probably give away something that is... uh, inspiring what I'm going to talk about right now. So let me just get into this. Yesterday, I started working on this show. It came together fairly easily. By the way, the show I was working on is not what you're going to get today. Let me explain. It came together so quick. I was praying, Lord, show me, and bang, 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 bang. It all came together, and I got this picture in my mind, and the picture is very scary folks. And I'm not hiding it from you. Uh, Not at all. In fact, you know, there's that old saying, you can't handle the truth. Well, you can handle the truth and you deserve the truth. Jesus said he is the truth, the way and the life. So if we're going to replicate him, I want to tell you the truth as I see it. But one thing that I discovered this morning as I was putting it together, and uh, and literally I've spent hours on contemplating this and going back and forth, and the way the Lord gave me a way out, and that's what you're going to see today. But what has happened, he, the Lord gave me a realization, and I know it's from the Lord because it's smart. You see, I could give you everything that I've been seeing in one hour, but I'd be telling you and it's big and it's scary. And if you deserve the truth, you deserve to be shown the truth. So I'm going to be starting a new series. This is not part of the series, this particular episode, but I will be starting a new series uh, next week. And uh, so the new series is going to be really focused on the power, the influence, the tactics, and it's going to be focusing on individuals from church and state. I have the title. I have everything for it ready to go. I don't want to give it all away. You'll see it when it comes out in case things change. So I'm just looking down at my notes. This show and uh, and part of the series is inspired by 
a person named Greg Locke, who is a pastor of a church in Tennessee. Most of you are familiar with him. And I just want to talk about him a little bit. He's going to be featured in this episode, along with another pastor. It's going to be really interesting. I think we're going to have some great discussion because of this. But what... Well, first of all, let me address the Great Awakening Tour that is happening this weekend in Doral, Florida, at the Trump Doral Resort. And, of course, I was invited. I was given an all-access pass. Backstage, everything. Media, I would have had access to everyone. And I was intending to go. And I'm going to give you a bit of a confession here because it's important that I'm transparent and I have to tell you some of the uh, the flaws. Look, I can have a wicked mind at times. I had good intention, but it was dressed in wickedness. I intended to go because, first of all, they've got about 25 or 30 pastors. You know, I alluded to that. That's why I played the intro from it when I had Clay on. And, and I didn't ask, I didn't know I was going to be invited. I didn't set that up. That wasn't premeditated, but that happened. Most of those pastors and that are NAR guys. And I had planned to go there with a camera and interview them before they go on stage and after they go on stage. And I was going to be clever. Folks, I was going to be really clever on how I did it. I had this all mapped out. I've talked to people about it. They thought it was clever. And I was going to ask leading questions. So I'd get them on tape with their gnarly answers and expose a whole bunch of people. But you know what? Not everyone is bad and not everyone knows what they're doing is wrong. Some are no, doing it knowingly, some are doing it unknowingly, and we are not to judge man. And the thing is, I was being extended grace by Clay Clark to go there, and really what sparked that was my interest on how he puts these things together, and because I was a promoter before, and I was going to do some of the behind the scenes, how it all works, and everything, but... I was going to get some tape that would be useful on some of the other stuff. Would have been multifaceted. I would have had shows for six months after that. But I was going to go there with a secret agenda. And Jesus did not do anything in secret. I would have been no different than the people that I was trying to expose. I might have had righteous motives. I would have been no different, folks. And I tried to justify it in my mind many, many ways. And I did. But what really where the Lord really spoke to me was a couple weeks ago, I saw a Greg Locke video. And this one wasn't him particularly bad. It was actually him. I guess, you know, him and the Demon Slayer gang have had a falling out and they're all attacking each other on their YouTube channels. Funny to watch, 
sad, but kind of funny because they're not doing it biblically, of course. But I watched this video and Greg Locke is a bully. Uh, I don't think he's a pastor. I don't think he should be a pastor. I think he has a hidden agenda. I can't say for sure. I don't know the man's heart, but you can judge them by their fruits. And he is a bully. And what is a bully? A bully is someone who picks on someone weaker than them. And by the way, weak people flock to bullies because they feel protected by bullies. I'm going to suggest to you, you, you asked me last week or last <laughs> on Tuesday to be more bold to tell you what I think. Well, I think a lot of his congregation are very weak Christians who won't challenge the strong man and want to have the strong man protect them. Oh, I'm in Greg Locke's church. He'll tell you. And you know what? If I went to this Great Awakening tour and I ran into Greg Locke, you know, we're supposed to have gentleness and self-control. But I really have a propensity against bullies. And, you know, quite honestly, and I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything like that, but if you've met me in person, I'm, I'm a pretty big dude, you know? And, I, and part of the reason I learned how to fight was because I've had a couple family members who were really badly bullied and it wasn't going to happen to me. So when someone, a big guy with a lot of confidence stands in front of a bully, guess what? Bullies aren't so bullish. And no, I wouldn't attack him or anything like that, but I would stand up to him. I would have to because it just, it just in my nature. I despise people who pick on the weak. And especially I despise people who I believe are leading their flock astray because he does have a flock. He has a big following. And there's a lot of stuff I can say about him. But I'm going to choose not to. I'm not making this into a hit job on him. But rather, uh, this is going to be a really interesting conversation because, oh, just before I move on to that, um, you know, the did I, did I mention Friday the 13th and Saturday the fire moon is when they're having that conference? I wonder if something's going to happen. Just wondering. Um, I was thinking about making a, you know, the first part of the series uh, and talking about Greg Locke, but I'm going to do it separately. And here's how the Lord gave me an off ramp and, and, and I think directed me properly to do a series and actually show you stuff rather than just tell you because it's complicated how big this thing is and how intertwined it is, but you're going to get a sense of it today. And this is going to be a good way to kick off the series or introduce it. But what we're going to talk about first, and the two pastors featured are Greg Locke, of course, and 
The second one is Pastor Stephen Anderson. Now, Stephen Anderson is known as America's hate preacher. <laughs> and he has said some things that the local news has picked up on. He's made national news, actually. And, of course, they did it disparagingly to uh, to put down Christians. And what, what he has said, uh, you know, if you look up the clips, it's, you know, he's basically calling for the death of all uh, all gay people. <laughs> you know, it's a, I, I can't say I agree with him on that. Uh, I think the Lord loves them just like he loves us. He hates their sin. But what is what was really interesting is we're going to talk about marriage first. And I found this clip because I was going to do a introduction to what Greg Locke has said uh, just this weekend. And, uh, and then we're going to talk about who he's siding with. And I'll get more into that. We're going to be talking about Israel and the conflict, okay? We're going to be talking about it. But by the end of today, you are going to know, by the end of this show, you are going to have the big picture of what is going on. But first, I want to have a little bit of fun. If it's okay with you, I'm going to play a 12-minute video, which is Greg Locke talking about marriage. He's taking questions. And then you get this guy, Stephen Anderson, the fundamentalist Baptist preacher, talking about the scriptures in a very different way. And I'm not going to stop the video. I'm not going to comment in between. I want you to make up your mind on it. But I will say this preemptively. For some of you in this community who have been divorced, I believe divorce is a sin. But I also know that I sin every day and God doesn't like any sin. His grace, his mercy, and his blood has covered your sin. Now, I'm not justifying divorce. I'm not justifying any sin. I'm just saying it's part of our reality. And if you have been divorced, I don't want you to feel judged by this. However, preemptively, again, before I play this video, I want you to just consider the fact, <coughs> oh, excuse me, that God does not like divorce. And if this world had far less divorce, it would be a much better world. So having said that, let me uh, play this clip and then don't, don't walk away from this one, ladies and gentlemen, because it's going to get really hot at the end. I promise you that. And you're going to have the big picture in your mind. Now, the last thing I'm going to say before I play this clip is 
on public record, Greg Locke is divorced. He had an affair with like his secretary, someone in his congregation, one of his helpers, I think his assistant. He had an affair with her in the church and then divorced his wife and married the woman that he's having an affair with. Um, it, it gets really dark, folks. I could do a huge expose on him, I, and I could paint him in a very bad brush. But that isn't the point of this. Um, although I don't believe he ever stepped down at the time of being pastor, which he should have, you think? At least until there's proper correction through the church. So it was very, it was handled very unbiblically. This is before he was divorced and had the affair and all that stuff. And this clip is 12 minutes long. It's really worth listening to. And I hope that we can have a great discussion. It's a hard topic to discuss because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but let's pick it up in the chat and other places uh, like on Telegram, on Twitter. Let's pick up this discussion and then we're going to change gears, go right to Israel and it's going to get wild. So here is Greg Locke and Stephen Anderson. Friends, once again to our weekly question and answer session with Pastor Greg Locke, and I am Pastor Locke, and I want to thank you so much for being here every single week. We look forward to giving you the truth of the Word of God in question and answer format. You got questions? Well, the Bible has answers. Pray for me as I try to biblically answer these questions. I don't have all the answers. All right, let's get right to it. Miss Sheila Bruce. Hello, Sheila. Thank you for your question. What are your beliefs on divorce and remarriage? I know scripture says you can divorce, but what if your spouse is still living and you remarry? Would it be adultery in God's eyes? A couple of things. First of all, that is a hot button issue that a lot of preachers don't want to touch. And so let me say this. God hates divorce. That, But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you have heard it said that if a man is going to put away his wife, Moses said, give her a billing of divorcement. But I say unto you, if a man puts away his wife or divorces her, save for the cause of fornication, then he that remarries her that's still living is in adultery. So here's what we have to do. We have to kind of circle the wagons and work backwards. Here's what Jesus is telling us. Number one, he hates divorce. One man, one woman for life. Matthew says that God made a man and a female, created he them. They come together. And when they come together in spiritual as well as physical union, the Bible says they too are one flesh. So God takes that commitment very, very serious. And I think we ought to be very loyal to that commitment. And we've raised a generation of people that know nothing about faithfulness and loyalty. The escape clause really is twofold in the Bible. Matthew chapter 5, and Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So in Matthew 5, what we find is that adultery is an escape clause for marriage. If someone has committed adultery, then the other partner is not bound to remain or stay with them. It says in verse number 31, it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Now the modern perversions will change and corrupt this verse and make it a very dangerous verse. 
because the one exception to the rule here is very clearly fornication, right? Because the Bible says that if a man put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, meaning for any reason other than fornication, he causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committed adultery. Now, fornication is when unmarried people have intercourse with one another. That's called fornication, okay? Now, what the modern versions will do to twist this is some of them will change it to adultery. Instead of saying fornication, it'll say adultery. Now, that's ridiculous because the word adultery is used in this verse. So apparently, Jesus knows the word adultery, and he uses it a couple times in that same sentence, but he uses a different word for fornication. You see what I'm saying? Why? Because fornication and adultery are not the same thing. And then 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about the fact if you have an unbelieving spouse that's in denial of God and they walk away, that you are no longer under that bondage because an unbelieving spouse walked away from a believing, from a Christian spouse. And so there's a lot there that we could unpackage. But here are the verses that they'll, these are the verses that they'll, that they'll jump on in this section of, to the rest speak I, not the Lord. Okay. They'll jump on this part where it says in verse number 12, if any brother hath a wife that believeth not and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So he's saying, look, if you're married to an unbeliever, don't leave them. Don't divorce them. Stay with them. Verse 15, but if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. They'll take that verse right there and just throw everything that Jesus taught out the window just with that one verse. It's, it's mind-numbing. Well, you know, if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. Well, here's the thing. Okay. Amen. First of all, that's Paul's opinion. Not God's commandment, period. But... Let's say you're going to go with Paul's opinion. Okay, if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. Does that change the fact that you can't get remarried? No, it doesn't. Does it say, let him depart and then marry someone else? Is that what it says? You're a liar if you say that's what it says. It does not say go marry someone else. And isn't it funny how people will be married to devout Christians, and then as soon as they get divorced, all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, she wasn't really saved even though they've been going to church together for 20 years, 30 years, soul winning, serving God. Oh yeah, unbeliever. Why? Cause they just, look, they've got a round, they got a round hole. And if they got a square peg, they're gonna fit it through that round hole. And they, they'll shave off the corner and say, well, she wasn't even really saved. He wasn't even really saved. And so the question then becomes, can I remarry? I have seen God wonderfully do great miracles and unbelievable things in second marriages. I've remarried people. The Bible says if someone has committed adultery, that you are free from that bondage of that marriage. So it's not until death do us part. Then why are there so many Baptist churches that teach that it's fine to get divorced and remarried? In fact, I'd say it's probably the majority of Baptist churches that are very permissive on this doctrine. Now, I'm not just talking about the fact that they're misunderstanding fornication as adultery. 
because they don't just allow it in those situations. No, no. They're allowing it in a ton of situations. They'll say, well, you know, abandonment, abuse, you know, what? they'll list all kinds of reasons why. And I think there's some other situations whereby God understands that he doesn't, you know, expect a lady, for example, to stay in a physically abusive relationship where she is getting bashed and beaten and cursed and kicked on a very regular basis. He doesn't expect that. There's going to have to be a time of separation. And so I think the issue of divorce and remarriage is a very personal issue. It's a very, uh, I, I guess, issue as far as each individual is going to have to be taken, you know, one step at a time. They're going to have to figure it out. Is this right? Is this wrong? What does God say? Everybody's backstory is different. You never know what's going on besides, behind someone's eyeballs. And so, okay, so the Bible says, and this is a pretty, this is a pretty clear statement. Verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 7 says, and unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. So he's saying, look, this isn't my command. This isn't my opinion. The Lord commands, let not the wife depart from her husband. Now that's a great teaching that the Lord commands there. And then he says, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. Now, why is there an allowance made there? Here's why, because the Bible also says, my little children, these things write on you that you sin not. But if any man sin, why? Because he knows people are going to do it. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So here it says, but and if she depart, contrary to God's command not to depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. Don't put away your wife. Don't depart from your husband. If the woman departs, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. Period. Done. Case closed. Over. Finished. Amen. Same as what Christ taught. But then they say, oh, but later in the chapter. Okay, look at the next verse. What's the next verse say? But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. So isn't it amazing how they don't want to talk about verses 10 and 11, which is what the Lord said. They want to talk about the part that Paul said, where he specifically says, this is not the Lord talking. Oh, let's home in on that. And let's use it to contradict Jesus' teaching. It's madness and folly. I have seen God wonderfully do great miracles and unbelievable things in second marriages. I've remarried people. I've remarried people. You say, well, Pastor Anderson, you're mean. This is a mean doctrine. You're mean to people who've been divorced. No, let me tell you something. People who have this false doctrine, this permissive doctrine, they're the ones who are mean. And you know why? They're mean to people whose marriage is on the rocks. And then the pastor gets up and preaches this garbage. And you know what it does? It pushes them over the edge and ruins life. That's who's mean. The mean one is the one who's destroying marriages. Because if you teach this permissive doctrine that says, hey, you can get divorced, you can get remarried, then you know what? Everybody's going to get divorced, and that's what we see in America today. Just divorce after divorce, and I, I'm exaggerating when I say everyone, but I'm saying a lot of people are going to get divorced. That's why churches are just filled with divorce as much as the world. They say that the divorce rate among Christians is the same as amongst the world. Why? Because of bad teaching on this. Because almost every person I've ever talked to who is divorced, this is what they said. 
Well, if I would have heard this teaching, I would have done differently. But I never heard this my whole life. That's what they all said. And so I can't say whether somebody is right in their decision or not when it comes to that, because even 1 Corinthians 7, I don't know who's saved, who's lost. I don't know who's married, who's remarried. I don't know who's committing adultery. At that point, it's until adultery, fornication, perversity does us part. But I do think we have to take the marriage issue on a personal basis because it's not a cookie cutter theological issue. But you know what? It's wicked as hell. And these pastors are fools to just sit there and listen to that and just, oh, yeah, yeah, you're justified. And to just destroy marriages. That's a mean pastor that will preside over someone's divorce. And you know what? It's a mean doctrine because it's mean to the children of these broken homes when you teach that divorce is fine and then people get divorced and then the kids are getting shuffled back and forth and then all kinds of step parents are coming in the picture. It's wicked. And you know what? I don't know about you, but I want this doctrine to be taught the way Jesus taught it. Because I want to stay married, and my wife wants to stay married, and we don't want to wake up every morning and wonder whether we're, we're still going to stay married or not. You know what? I don't care whether you think it's fair. That's what the Bible says. And you know what? When you get married, you're making an oath till death do us part, and a fornicator has committed a different sin that's a bad sin, but they didn't break that vow. Pastor Greg Locke is a false teacher that I've already preached against before, and I'm not going to rehash any of that. But I just want to point out this garbage where now all of a sudden it's just become the normal thing for pastors to get divorced, remarried, even multiple times, and they don't step down as pastor. They somehow think that they're still qualified to pastor. The Bible's crystal clear. If a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? One of the qualifications for being a pastor is that you are the husband of one wife and you are one that rules your own house well. But look, when your marriage fails, okay, you have failed as a leader in the most fundamental way. Do the honorable thing. Do the right thing and step down. He's not going to do the honorable or right thing because he's not even saved because he's a false teacher because he's of the devil. Well, that was quite an interesting discussion, I felt. Um, let me know what you think in the comments. Who's right? Was it Pastor Locke or Pastor Anderson? Or... Was it just your brother Jeff in his intro comments? <laughs> Let me know. And I just want to say to you that I was tempted because there's another clip. It's about 10, 12 minutes long of Greg Locke preaching. And basically he was justifying his divorce. And he starts off the clip saying, I'm coming to you as a pastor and telling you to get divorced and giving all the reasons why you should get divorced. It, it's actually quite disgusting. But I could not resist the temptation to just continue with the battle of the pastors here. Uh, and you're going to see why I, I'm doing this. Um, First, I'm going to show a clip from Greg Locke the other day, and this has to do with Israel. This all The rest of this has to do with Israel. 
Okay. And I want to make a couple things really clear. And I'm going to show something just at the, I'm going to read a couple scriptures at the end of this clip that it's important to take a note of. And then I'm going to play probably one of the most wild clips you've ever heard in your life that'll give you the big picture in all of this. And it's going to reinforce my comments that I'm begging you do not take sides in this conflict spiritually it's very dangerous for you um don't take sides don't believe anyone pray for the innocent in all of this i implore you so with this clip that i'm going to show i'm gonna play about four and a half to five minutes of it because I don't want it to be out of context. This is Greg Locke on the weekend. And for those of you who are listening on Podbean, um, he has what appears to be a lot of youth up on the stage with him. He has his band up on the stage with him. He is wearing a scarf with the Star of David. They've got the backdrop as the the uh, Israeli flag. Uh, they're waving Israeli flags on the stage, and there's a lot of uh, young people in the first few rows. I don't know what the rest of the church looks like. Perhaps it was a youth night. I don't know, but he was uh, not mincing his words. Check this clip out and hang on because it's going to get wild. Like all this open border stuff, it's not an opportunity for a bunch of Hamas sleeper sales to come into this nation right now and start killing innocent men, women, and children. You have lost your mind. I'm sick of all these Christians saying we ought to have peace with Islam. Islam is a satanic death cult and they would cut your head off before I said amen in this sermon if they had a chance to. Stop all this nonsense. There's nothing peaceful about Islam. The Muslim religion hates Jewish people to the core of who they are. And then Joe Biden sends Iran $6 billion. Guess who's funding Hamas? Iran, ultimately Obama. And so now they're taking our money and killing God's people with it. And pastors all over America be like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about the, the war in Israel because, you know, it's just, that's just a little bit too political. I hope you lose your job before nightfall. We've never seen anything like this. Ever. Israel's never seen anything like this. These people are bloodthirsty mongrels. I mean, they're like walking in four-way stops, pulling people out of their cars, cutting their throats, and letting the car just keep rolling through the intersection. How many girls do we have in this room that are 15 to 25? Stick your hand up high in the air right now. If you're 15 to 25, hold your hand up very, very high right now, all over the room, 15 to 25. Look at them. You can put your hands down. They would rape and brutally murder every single one of them. 
and they're doing it on video footage. And somehow I'm the bad guy for talking about it on Sunday morning. Raping them. Little bitty kids, tiny children in cages. Like animals in cages. This very second. And we're like, well, you know, it's just a little bit too uncomfortable to talk about. It's too uncomfortable not to talk about. This is demonic. So thank God for the Iron Dome shooting those thousands of rockets out. And these people swooping down like, a, you know, like paratroopers. Shocking people, just shooting people, killing people, looting. They, they have kidnapped hundreds of people. They have brutally murdered hundreds, if not thousands of people. Thousands of people are missing in, in God's capital. In God's capital. All that land belongs to Israel, every bit of it. So there's no such thing as these beat down, oppressed Palestinians. All the videos of them holding up weapons, guess who gave them to them? We did. Well, not us. But this buckwild, demonized government administration that we got gave them to them. It's sad. Now listen, here's what I think. I told my wife this last night. This would be the most controversial thing I say, but I'll be all right. I'll preach in a minute. Somebody, I hope, get this message to Benjamin Netanyahu. That he ought to take care of the rest of them yahoos. Now, I'm going to tell you what would fix it right now. By the way, it'd fix it. and It would help usher in what we're wanting so bad. Huh? While they're mowing down the Gaza Strip and letting them terrorists know exactly what we do with terrorists, which is not compromise or negotiate. What they ought to do is evacuate up there on the hill and get a great big missile and blow that wicked dome of the rock plumb off of the spot where it's standing right now so we can get that third temple rebuilt and usher in the coming of Jesus. So many of you listening right now might be thinking, you know what? He's right. And you can't sell a lie without putting in some truth. But I just want to address just a couple things he said. In the beginning of the clip, he talked about the open borders. And he's absolutely right. It is scary stuff. And that's part of what uh, I'm in this series I'm going to be talking about. It is scary stuff. But you see, just like when we talked about the marriage in the previous video, the United States is married to Israel. And you wonder who's behind it all. And then he names Obama, Obama running the administration. I agree with that. He's probably right there. And I think that there was a dark to light statement because I happen to don't I don't happen to think that he is born again. I really don't. Just judging by the fruits. Look, I don't know the man's heart, but judging the fruits, I don't think he is born again. Then he talked about um, that the people in Israel are God's people. 
Well, the next clip is going to address that. And it's if you haven't heard this clip before, and it's infamous, I'll set it up in a minute, um, you're going to get right from God's word some answers. And it's going to be explosive. If you're new to the program, this is going to blow your mind. And you're going to have a much bigger understanding. He talked about the cutting throats of the innocent people and stuff like that, and I'm not saying that's not happening. But who's behind it? Who's behind it? And it's being televised, really? If you're a terrorist, if you're fighting a war, if you're thinking the other guy's going to be shooting you, uh, do you allocate some of your personnel to hold cell phones and record it? Think about this for a second, folks. I don't know all the truths of this, but I know the propaganda machine is working overtime. Don't pick sides. He talked about the Iron Dome doing such a great job. Well, it failed. So did all their border checkpoints. They have the most secure border in the world. They, they say a fly can't go across and the military doesn't know. Plus, they were warned by Egypt about it. They Who has the power to shut it off, folks? Who has the power to shut it off? They talk a lot about, and it made for great video, these paratroopers coming in to the concert. And, and I don't know the truth about this because there's a whole bunch of misinformation. I'm not saying what's true and what isn't, but I will say something. So there's speculation that they changed venues uh, 48 hours beforehand. I don't know if that happened or not. I tend to believe it, but I don't have the evidence to back it up. But here's what I do believe because I've seen the footage. This is right on the border where that concert was, or they're calling it a massacre. I don't know if it was or not. Okay. That doesn't matter. You know how long it takes for someone to come in on a paraglider, a parachute? You could pick them off easily. Each one of them, none of them should have landed. Come on. Just like the American border, it is my opinion that this was planned from the inside. Now, I want to show you a slide really quick. Actually, let me make it full see full screen now greg Locke had the flag of israel behind him he was wearing the scarf all the kids are waving the flags but what's in the that's the star of david right no it's not it's an occultic symbol what does the bible say about it let me make this full screen for those of you who are watching You'll be able to see it, and uh, everyone knows what the Star of David supposedly looks like. Acts 7.43, I'm reading from the King James. Yea, ye took up the tabernacle of Moloch, and the star of your god Remphan, figures which made to worship them. 
and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. It's a star of their God. It's a symbol of Moloch. That's Acts 7, verse 43. In the Old Testament, Amos 5, 26. But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch and churn your images, the star of your God, which ye made yourselves. So if I get this correct, both the Old Testament and the New Testament are saying this is demonic. Are you paying attention? Both the Old Testament and the New Testament are saying the flag of that country is demonic. Now, I want to be very careful here. I'm not talking about people who live in Israel. And I'm not talking about some who were deceived by the world because I have been deceived. You have been deceived. We have all been deceived. But this is the time when it's not the great awakening, folks, not for us. We are set apart. We are on a narrow path. This is the great exposure that God promised in Luke that his light will shine upon the darkness and we're going to see things through God's eyes. You know, I've been going back through the new goggles series that I did a while ago and the whole premise of that series was to deprogram from Pharaoh's system and see the world through God's eyes. And you know what? I believe that God answers prayer. And that is what is starting to happen. This next clip I'm going to play for you is 11 minutes long, and it is epic. For those of you who have been with Right On Radio from the beginning, um, (laughs) this is like one of the greatest hits. In fact, it was so great that when I first played this clip over, well, two and a half years ago, this is the clip that ended my professional career because I was working for people who were apparently (laughs) in the club and this clip was too much. Ended a very lucrative professional career, but God is good. He has provided. He's made me depend on him. Uh, which is one of the best things ever, honestly. It's a place I don't think I ever want to get out of, depending on him. Anyways, this is uh, that pastor, Stephen Anderson. And uh, again, you be the judge, but I come into agreement with this. 
And when you understand this clip from God's word, not Pastor Stephen Anderson, but he explains it better than anyone I have ever heard, and he does it in 11 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the synagogue of Satan explained. Look at verse 8. It says, And the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Of course, Jesus Christ speaking there. He says in verse 9, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. So here's a church that's a hardworking church, but they're going through some trials and tribulations. He says they have poverty, but look what he says there in parenthesis, but thou art rich. See, physically they were poor. They didn't have any money on this earth, but they were rich in good works. And look what he says next. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So he talks about the fact that they're going through tribulation, and he said that they were suffering and that they should not fear the things that they're suffering. He says, you're going to be cast into prison, be faithful unto death. He's talking about people being killed for the cause of Christ, going into prison for the cause of Christ. And in the midst of this, he throws in this, this statement, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Now, what is that statement doing in the midst of a discussion about tribulation, persecution, uh, prison, martyrdom? Why bring up the synagogue of Satan? Why bring up these people who say they are Jews and are not, but do lie? Well, it, it's very easy to understand once you identify who the synagogue of Satan is. Go to Romans chapter 2, if you would. Romans chapter 2. Now, I've heard a lot of preaching that discussed the synagogue of Satan, and I personally have never heard any preacher that I listen to properly identify the synagogue of Satan. And it always boggled my mind because to me, it's very obvious when you just read this passage and take it for what it says, who the synagogue of Satan are. First of all, they are someone who says that they're a Jew. Now, doesn't that eliminate a lot of people right away? I mean, does everybody that you know say that they're a Jew? Does every religion on this planet claim to be Jews and say, we're Jews, I'm a Jew? No. Whoever the synagogue of Satan are, they are people who say that they're Jews. But are they Jews? No, they're not. Now, the other thing that you should notice is that this group is called the synagogue of Satan. Does every religion have synagogues? Does every person go to a synagogue or is every person a member of a synagogue? No. But if we look at this, it's very obvious when we think about the fact that there is a group of people in this world who do go to a synagogue, who do have a synagogue, and who say that they are Jews and are not from the synagogue of Satan. And that is people who follow the religion of Judaism. Now you say, wait a minute, Pastor Anderson. There's no way that's the synagogue of Satan because they're saying that they're Jews and they really are Jews. Can't you see that they're Jews, Pastor Anderson? 
You know, these people that go to the synagogue and that practice Judaism, can't you tell by, you know, the black hat that they're wearing? Can't you tell by, you know, the way that they dress and the, 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 maybe the little hat that they have on the back of their head? Can't you see the kosher meal being ordered on the airplane and know that these are Jews, Pastor Anderson? But hold on a second. Are they really Jews? These that go to a Jewish synagogue? These that practice the religion of Judaism? Well, look down at your Bible. The Bible says in Romans 2.28, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. So could it be that there are some that we look at outwardly and say, hey, there's a Jew. Yep, that's a Jew. And really, they're not a Jew. He says, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So let me ask him, do you think that the guy that Paul's talking about in Romans 2, who he says, well, he's not a Jew, which is one outwardly, do you think that guy goes around saying he's a Jew? I'll bet you he does. Of course he does. But Paul says, nope, he's not a Jew. He says he's one, but he's not. I'll prove it to you further. Look at Philippians 3. Keep in mind, Philippi is a city of Macedonia. Paul is writing unto the Gentiles in Philippians 3. And look what he says in verse 3. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice, listen to this, in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So according to that, who's the true circumcision? Those who rejoice in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you this. Does the Jewish synagogue or the religion of Judaism rejoice in Christ Jesus? What does Christ mean? Christ means Messiah. Does Judaism teach that Jesus is the Messiah? No, Judaism does not teach that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't rejoice in Christ Jesus. Then let me tell you something. They're not the circumcision. You say, well, they're physically circumcised. That means nothing in the sight of God. God says that the true circumcision that matters today in the New Testament is the circumcision of the heart and the spirit. And it's those who rejoice in Christ Jesus that are the circumcision. He said he's not a Jew, which is one outwardly. He's a Jew, which is one inwardly. Circumcision is not that outward circumcision in the flesh. It's the circumcision of the heart and the spirit. And so those who practice the religion of Judaism, they say they're Jews, but they're not Jews because they're not inwardly a Jew. They're not circumcised in the heart. They don't rejoice in Christ Jesus. And by the way, he said, and have no confidence in the flesh. They're trusting in the flesh today to save them. They're trusting in works to save them. They don't trust in the faith of Jesus Christ to save them. Now, look at 1 John 2. You say, Pastor Anderson, you, you're not meaning to say that they're the synagogue of Satan. Where does Satan come into play? Well, look at, look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible says, little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Now, is that singular or plural? Singular. As you've heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So there's one guy, singular, that's called the Antichrist that's coming. But then there are also many Antichrists, plural, whereby we know that it's the last time. Let's get a little insight into who these Antichrists are. Look at verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. So the Bible says that someone who's an Antichrist is someone who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Now, 
in order to deny that Jesus is the Christ, you have to believe that there is a Christ, but that it's not Jesus. Because if you're going to deny that Jesus is the Christ, that means you believe that there's the Christ, but that that's not Jesus. Well, what religion out there teaches that there's a Messiah? Because remember, Christ means Messiah. In John 1, it says we have found the Messiah, which is to say being interpreted the Christ. What religion out there teaches that there's a Messiah coming, but it's not Jesus? Judaism. They teach that Jesus was not the Messiah. And so the Jews today are, are uh, antichrist. Now you say, oh, you're racist. You're anti-Semitic. No, I'm not talking about a nationality, my friend. I'm not talking about a race. There are people that are of the, 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 the lineage of the tribe of Judah, you know, that come from the, 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 the land of Israel today that believe on Jesus Christ. They're saved. They are God's people. But when I'm talking about the Jews being the synagogue of Satan, I'm talking about just that, the synagogue of Satan. Is a synagogue a race or is a synagogue a religion? I mean, a synagogue is a religion. And so when he says the synagogue of Satan, we're not talking about people that are racially Jews, quote unquote. We're talking about people who follow a religion that teaches another Messiah that is not the Lord Jesus Christ. That is an antichrist religion. Those who deny that Jesus is the Christ, the Bible, look, I'll just read it again for you. It's so clear. Who is the liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist. That's saying anyone who denies that Jesus is the Messiah is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Because you say, well, the Jews, they worship the same God we do. They just don't believe in Jesus, but they do worship the same God. Well, look what it says in verse 23. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. So according to this, they don't have the Father. You say, no, they have the Father, they just don't have the Son. You know, they, they, they understand and believe in God the Father, it does not, no, no, if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you don't believe in God the Father. They believe in another God that is not God the Father from the Holy Bible because it's impossible to believe on the Father. That's why, that's why even Jesus said, if you believed Moses, you'd believe me, for he spake of me. That proves that the, those who follow the religion of Judaism don't even believe Moses. You say, well, they believe the first five books of the Bible. According to Jesus, they don't believe any of the Bible because if they believed any of it, they'd believe on Jesus. If they had the Father, they'd have the Son. If they believed in Moses, they believe in the New Testament. You see, they just flat out don't believe the Bible because they are part of a religion that according to the Bible is an antichrist religion. You say, well, Judaism's pretty close. And, and some people even say this, Judeo-Christian religion. No. How about just Christian? Because Judaism has nothing to do with Christianity. It's a false religion. It's an antichrist religion. And I got news for you. The Bible's got a name for it. The synagogue of Satan. The world will condemn you for speaking truth out of the Bible. But I'll let you decide whether that's true and which God you want to serve or if you want to just believe what you've been told. Well, we need to stand with Israel. And I'm not saying we shouldn't stand with innocent people in a, ge a geographical 
location. And I'm not saying that, uh, that these, you know, that there's not Muslim barbarians. There's barbarians in Christianity as well. I think I'm going to be showing you quite a few in the next series. But there's a, a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not going to reiterate what Stephen Anderson said there, but I think it was the most concise 11-minute explanation that I've ever seen in that. But what I do want to do is give Greg Locke another 15 seconds, and I'm going to repeat just the very end of that clip that I played for you before most controversial thing I say, but I'll be all right. I'll preach in a minute. Somebody, I hope, get this message to Benjamin Netanyahu that he ought to take care of the rest of them yahoos. Now, I'm going to tell you what would fix it right now. By the way, it'd fix it. It would help usher in what we're wanting so bad. Huh? While they're mowing down the Gaza Strip, and letting them terrorists know exactly what we do with terrorists, which is not compromise or negotiate. What they ought to do is evacuate up there on the hill and get a great big missile and blow that wicked Dome of the Rock plumb off of the spot where it's standing right now so we can get that third temple rebuilt and usher in the coming of Jesus. I don't know how well read you are in Revelation, and maybe I don't have great remembrance of it, and I'm not going to read it all to you today. But my recollection is when Jesus comes back, he's going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. And my recollection of the book of Revelation is when they rebuild that temple, that is where the Antichrist is going to stand up and declare himself as Jesus. Who's he rooting for? You'll know them by their fruits. Hey, thanks for being here, everyone. Uh, just a quick reminder. Um, EMP Shields, uh, empshield.com, use coupon code ROR, and of course, ROR.petclub247.com for the mushrooms. I, I'm getting so many testimonies on the mushrooms, folks, and I know quite a number of you are going out there and you're taking these uh, power loss seriously, so. I thank you. Look, I'm only, I only bring in products that I believe in folks. Uh, don't try to push them down your throat. Um, in the meantime, remember to love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself. Let's have some joy in discussion and leave some comments in the, uh, in the box. What do you think about the marriage part? What do you think of the synagogue of Satan? And, uh, that will help make a difference in your digital community.